Welcome to the Checkered Jaguar, where normalizing difficult conversations is just what we do. I'm your host, Bracia Dover. I'm a mental health advocate, creative media and film graduate, business owner, cancer survivor, and your new hype girl. It's time to get vulnerable and find that inner confidence to roar. Find the Checkered Jaguar on the web, where we go beyond with insightful courses geared towards helping you learn how to roar like a jaguar. We cover important topics all the way from confidence in life to filmmaking, mental health, and so much more. Check it out at www.checkeredjaguar.com. Find the Checkered Jaguar on Instagram and TikTok at Checkered Jaguar. Now, let's dive into this podcast episode. All right, guys. Well, welcome to another meaningful episode on the Checker Jaguar. I am excited and eager for you guys to listen and absorb today's episode, as I know that it has the ability to help so many people out there. Today, we are joined by my dad, George Dover, and his younger sister, my aunt, Megan Parrish. Before I let the two of them introduce themselves, I wanted to give a brief overview on what this episode will cover and a quick disclaimer. On this episode, we will be discussing what it is like for a family that is raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when one of their children decides to leave the church and more specifically how this scenario affects the family as well as the sibling dynamic. Just a little bit of context here. George left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints around 2010, when I was about 13 years old. George served an LDS mission as a young adult. He was married in the Mormon temple and raised his young family up in the LDS church. He was a textbook Mormon and then left the church with my mom and our individual family. The disclaimer here is that this episode is not going to be about what George's views on the LDS culture are or why he left the church. This episode is going to be on how him leaving the church affected him and his siblings and family's relationship. All of George's five siblings, including Megan, are still in the church and love the church. So I wanted to point this out because I don't want our listeners to think that this episode is going to be bashing the Mormon slash LDS lifestyle in any way. If anything, this episode is going to help siblings in the LDS church learn how to navigate the tricky waters of talking to a sibling who leaves their religion, or how to just have productive conversations out of love and a desire to understand one another. One last thing, Megan is joining us all the way from Utah, and we are here in Arizona, so thank you to both George and Megan for being willing to be on this podcast. Okay, so let's have George start off by introducing himself. Then we will have Megan do the same. I grew up in Bountiful, Utah. I'm the oldest son and second oldest sibling. Uh, I did go on a mission. Interestingly, I, I actually had a call to go when I was 19, but uh, decided not to go at that time. I definitely was not ready to go and uh, felt a tremendous amount of pressure to go. And so I was really glad that I backed out of that. But... I did end up going on a mission that I feel was as, as, as great as a mission could be, quite frankly, when I was 23. And came back uh, at 25. I fairly quickly met Susie, who's your mom and my wife. She's the sister of one of my missionary companions. And we got married qu- as quick as we possibly could. And 
shortly after that, we uh, started a business down in Arizona with, with some good friends. And one of Megan's and my other siblings, Jaron, uh, quickly joined us down there. And, and he and I, along with our other partners, grew that business and, and have lived down here for 23 years almost now in Arizona. And, yeah. Um, so we have three children. You're our oldest at 23. And then we have Marcus, who's 21, and Jensen at 17. That's a great background. Megan, we'll let you take it now. Okay, thanks. So I am the third child, just younger than George, and I'm the favorite child, I think, in the family. Just putting that <laughs> out there. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm not, but I like to think that I am. I'm close to turning 50 this year. I turned 50 this year, and I'm feeling that in every aspect of my life. This is fun for me because I get a chance to talk about our childhood and just reminisce, and I'm really looking forward to that. But a little bit about me. I live in Kaysville, Utah, I'm born and raised in Utah, and definitely there is a strong LDS culture here, and so that has had a big influence on me. I married my husband, Jeff. He is my best friend, and I love him to death. Um, and definitely that has been a growing process. When we were first married, we're very different, very opposite in so many things. And my younger siblings went on a boating trip with us and came home and told my mom that our marriage wasn't going to last. And we've made it through all those odds. So we're still <laughs> together. We have four great kids. My oldest son, Sam, is 20 and he is serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's in Canada, but he comes home in a month. So we're counting the minutes and the days. And then my second son, Cole, just graduated from high school. He's looking forward to serving a mission and has his call to California. So we're excited about that. And then I have twins that rocked my world when they came, but they're 14 now, and they're just navigating all the excitingness of junior high. <laughs> So, <laughs> wow. Well, that was really great background. I loved that. Okay. So thank you both of you guys for those intros. Let's jump now into your childhood days with Megan being a little bit younger than George. We're going to get two great and totally different perspectives here on what it was like growing up in your childhood home. So let's start with Megan. What was your childhood atmosphere like growing up? And if you could also give us context on how religion played into your guys' upbringing as well here, that would be really helpful. Kind of just paint us a picture if you can. We were uh, all in with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and everything that we did was based on that. I mean, you pray in the morning, you pray at night. Your morals and your values, that your core set of values that you live your life by, all come from the church. We go to church every Sunday. At the time, it was a three-hour ordeal, you know, right. and um, it was long. And I don't think we were really given the option to not go. It was kind of one of those things we all just went, and it was fine yeah. with me. But I, I know George and I had very different views about that. I was just kind of fine to always go. Right. And from a young age, I did kind of gain my own testimony about what I believed and just kind of never looked back from that. But um, in general, our growing up life, I thought was really good and really positive. I felt very loved and supported by my parents, my mom especially. I had a real um, drive and a passion for singing and music. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that I pursued through my whole life, and it, but especially through my growing up and high school years. 
And my mom and dad did everything they could do to support me on that. There was a time when my dad was out of work for a while, kind of a long time. And it was a hard time for our family. In a lot of ways, our family came together. But that was a time where that was George particularly, you struggled a lot right then. And I'm not even sure, but it was a time when you were a little bit older. And, and so that was hard, but we did come together. And what drew us together a lot was our faith, um, prayer, family scripture. And that's just something I remember was just a non-negotiable. We always grew up with that. And so that's kind of my general background and thought. I thought it was a good, positive background, and I have good memories of times together. Paints us a really good picture. I like that background, and I think that is now a good segue for George to now share his experience and background growing up. Thanks, Bray. Yeah, it's interesting, and I'm just, I'm also, I just want to say I'm really grateful to, that Megan will be part of this and that we have this opportunity to talk because um, I love her and I love my family very much, but I have a lot of deep feelings, and, and my experience growing up was very, very different than what Megan reflected one of the one of the things that I think was hardest for me is just I always felt very different than everyone else in my family and and being the oldest boy, I think was a, a big part of that, but as Megan stated a little bit, my family really was into music, singing, piano, there was an organ in the home, my dad liked to play the organ. Um, and everybody would sing and dance. People, they, dancing was done. Um, it was very strange to me. Um, <laughs> there was tap dancing. There was my mom organized singing groups and and literally made a small business out of it. She was doing. It, it, it's incredible the effort that she was trying to make. Um, it was horrendously embarrassing to me, and I was teased relentlessly by. The other boys in the neighborhood because of that and because of the nature of my family and so while I believed in all of the religious aspects all that I participated and did all the things that Megan talked about family prayer scripture study all of the teachings and weekly activities of a um Orthodox LDS family we, we participated in. When I was young, we went to primary on weekdays. Um, church was, I believe, a couple of hours in the morning, then you went back for sacrament meeting in the evening on Sundays, and you had primary in the, in the weekdays. And I have almost no good memories of my experiences in the church in Bountiful. It, it, I was a little bit smaller and a little bit skinnier than a lot of the kids. Yeah. But I, and I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be with the cool kids, but I didn't quite fit there. And I felt like I didn't get any help from my family to fit there um, because we were so different. And I personally just did not enjoy the things that my family did. I, I feel like my parents did the absolute best that they could with us and the best that they knew how to do. And for whatever reason, I, I don't feel like my dad in particular helped me achieve or be anything that 
I had an interest in. I, 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 to do anything I had an interest in. I just, I didn't want to do the things that my family w was interested in. I was fully into the church because I believed it and I had no, no possible way of conceiving an alternate reality than, than what was presented to me in my childhood and growing up. Wow, okay, so two totally different perspectives. It sounds like, you know, the love was there and you had family who loved you. While I felt different and I didn't feel like I fit in, I did feel love from my family, always. And, and I always have, and from my parents. I, I know they love me and, and always have. So I never, I was never abused. I, was ne I never felt a lack of love from my parents or, or my family. Okay, that's really good to clarify. Yeah, because I, I hear you on all the things you said, but I think that's important to note, just specifically on your childhood atmosphere, um, that you did feel loved. And Megan, I think you gave us good light, especially being a female and being creative and artistic. I can understand how you would have thrived in that environment, and um, I can understand why George maybe wouldn't have thrived as much, but um, sounds like the love was there, so that's that's beautiful. So... George is going to now have completely different memories around childhood than Megan, as we can already see, but I think it's important to acknowledge here that both of their childhood memories are their own perspective and how they felt growing up. So no perspective is right or wrong, but just different. I want to dive briefly now into the fact that Megan and George's other siblings really looked up to them. And George felt like in many ways he wanted nothing to do with being home. He never brought friends to his home, and he was always out trying to do his own thing. George, can you touch on why this was? I, for example, I thought that motorcycles were cool. I was into sports. I wanted to be good at sports. I didn't have, and, and I was a good athlete, but I didn't have a lot of great opportunities. And I didn't find any enjoyment in hanging out with my family and singing and and it's, just, it's extreme to say we're always singing and dancing and doing these types of things, but <laughs> we, it, it was just the, those, it was just the dynamic within the home that I grew up in. It, it wasn't a, we didn't get excited about sports. We didn't have sports on on Sundays. We, we, I had to fight to watch sports on Sundays, even big games. You know, I had to really battle to get my mom to let me watch TV on Sunday. Right. And when we were growing up, I think you just signed up for the little league teams. You would just go do whatever. There wasn't the, you played all the sports. You didn't, didn't have to have private coaches and stuff like we do nowadays for our kids. But, but I remember a baseball team when you, even when Jaron wanted to have a baseball team, you were the coach. I learned to take how to score, score and stuff. Dad did, when I was five years old, dad did coach my co-coach uh my t first t-ball team when we lived in woods cross before we lived to move to bountiful and that was the last time that he took an active role that i can remember and honestly in an interest that i had i felt i needed freedom um i needed i really needed freedom and and while i fully believed in the church 100 percent, I, I i literally believed that every aspect and teaching of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was true as it had been. However, I found no satisfaction in it. In fact, I hated it. It, it was the source of so much pain for me growing up, or I viewed it as the source, the underlying source. 
And so I, got, I wanted out. I wanted out of my home. I wanted out of prayer. I wanted away from my parents. I wanted away from my brothers and sisters. It wasn't because I didn't love them. It was because I did not enjoy being there at all and had not for as long as I could remember. And the only way to do that was to get money and work and yeah. do it on my own. So that's what I did. I worked and I found jobs. I found ways to make money. Um, I paid for my car. I paid for my gas. I paid for everything. And yeah. I moved out as fast as I was old enough to move out because I wanted freedom. Yeah. And why I'm excited or why I'm happy about this it, and being able to talk about this and open up this conversation is because it never really occurred to me until recently how much that probably hurt my family. I don't know that I would do it differently. I think I would still move out because it was toxic for me. But I can certainly appreciate how painful, particularly at a difficult time in my family's life, um, when my dad is struggling and my brothers and sisters are so young, for me to just act like I don't give a shit and go off and do my own thing. So I'm sorry to all of them for doing it that way and, and not being more aware of how they felt. Well, I think that's beautiful awareness. And I, I think one thing that's neat about getting all three of us to talk about this is um, that we can reflect on all these really important parts of your guys's life and you can kind of say what you need to say about it and I, I I think both of your perspectives are really valuable here so Megan from what you can remember recall from your childhood was it hard for you at all or do, do you feel like you didn't get any one-on-one -on -one time with George or do you have any memories of you guys spending together time still I actually most of my memories of George are actually super positive in my view of him, he was always my cool older brother. I always wanted his praise and approval because um, he was cool. He was a great older brother most of the time. But I do remember times when he would be angry or upset. Um, I didn't feel like he and my parents got along super well. So I do know there was a lot of time when I just he was in his bedroom in the, in the basement. Cause that was his space, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do, and I did know I was conscious that he didn't really like being with our family, but also at the time when I was younger, like, and when I say younger, most of what I remember growing up is from ninth grade on. Okay. Um, and so prior to that, George, you would have been like in a junior in high school. So within you know, two years, you were gone. I just remember him being cool and really looking up to him and wanting his approval. What kind of started this podcast discussion, I think, was a previous podcast that you had, Bracia, and it just came up, you know, as a side that George was considered the black sheep of the family. Yeah. And at the time, that just caught me off guard because I was like, wait a minute. To me, black sheep has a really bad, a negative connotation. And I actually looked it up as I was thinking about doing this podcast and yeah. the, the uh, Merriam-Webster definition is a disfavored or disreputable member of a group, in this case, our family. I disagreed with that so highly because to me, he's not a black sheep. He's an important part of our family. And he was my big brother who I loved, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I just always have looked up to him. So 
what I remember a lot about George, um, there was that time, there was a time that we talk about when my dad lost his job. And I think that happened when I was in ninth grade and probably went on through my close to my junior year. It was like a two to three year period. And it was very hard. Finances were hard. We had to pick up our family and move from just across town, but it was high schools. It was a high school change for me and for my younger siblings. And that was the time that George did move out um, and went his own way. And at the time, I would say, well, he didn't say, I'm leaving the church. I think that he had said to us, I don't really enjoy this lifestyle. This isn't what I'm going to do. And he kind of had said, leave me alone a little bit. And I knew that it hurt my parents, but we were all going through a really hard time. And it was a time that me and my younger siblings were very involved in our own lives. So I wouldn't say that that he hurt us as much as I was angry a little bit um, at the pain that he caused my parents. And, and I was sad that it, he didn't like me, but I, I was like, it's fine. You know, he, I, 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 there was a point where I wrote him off and thought he's going to do his own thing. He hates us, whatever. But then he also, there was a point where he had a change of heart. There was a point when it was before I was married, before his mission, where that all changed. And I don't know if you moved back in with us, George, or not. I can't remember. But it's a time where I I actually got to spend a lot of time with you, me and my siblings. Um, and it was good times. I loved spending time with him. I remember just laughing over dumb things like Monty Python. Um, everything George did was funny and cool. And I loved the time that I got to spend with him. And it was a good time with our family. We had gone through a hard time and come out on the other end. I'm glad to know that it wasn't me moving out and not being there during that difficult time wasn't as painful as I guess it could have been. I felt like I could no longer exist in Bountiful, Utah and in that family because I was rejecting the... The, the entire purpose of our existence that had been drilled into me more than anything else my entire life, and that is following the plan that the LDS Church lays out for you. I, I knew how my family believed it. I knew how my parents believed it. I, I always felt like I knew there was a time when I was gonna try to get back with my family. And what that meant is I had to get back into the church. At least that's what I thought it meant. So at my age, I thought I had to go on a mission to do that. And, and you I, were how old at this time? I started to try to go on a mission. I, I made the decision to try to go on a mission when I was 22, and I left when I was 23. Okay. And so when I got my mission call, and, and as I was preparing to go into the mission, then I moved back into the home, and we did have, some, and, it, and it was a great time. And we, but we were all on the same page. Yeah, okay. So now that our listeners have a general understanding of the culture you both grew up in and your guys' childhood background, I think it is a great time to skip to the good part here and the part that I think is going to be the most beneficial for people to hear. So George left the Mormon church with his family around 2010. And from my understanding, he never directly let his siblings know, but he did call his parents. So he can explain that in a minute, but let's start with hearing how George told his parents he was leaving the church and understanding how the initial scenario played out. 
My memory is can be a little bit fogged. There's specifics that I remember very well, but I did it in email form. And it was an email that was just to my mom and dad. I believe I'd already talked to my brother, Jaron, but I sent my mom and dad an email and outlined for them that I was leaving the church and that I no longer believed in it and that I had found out for myself that the truth claims that I'd believed in my whole life were actually not true or, or were very problematic. And for that reason, I was leaving. I got a response from my dad, and I just really remember the the initial sentence or the, the key response, and that was that I had, was destroy, had destroyed his eternal family. So that, that's how it happened. Wow. Well, that's, that's a hard follow-up when someone says something like that. I can imagine that would be kind of like a dagger to the heart a little bit. But so obviously you guys are a big family. You have five siblings. Some of their kids already have kids and the family just keeps growing. So word had to have spread pretty quickly in your family. So Megan, when did you hear about George and our family leaving the church? And what do you remember feeling or wondering at this time? So my parents didn't share that information with any of us. And I think they were even living with me at that time. And they didn't share any of that information. What I remember is seeing on social media, a trip, or I don't even know what it was that George and Susie were on. What stood out to me was that um, in the church, um, as temple going members, you wear special garments. And they are, they're longer than like you can't wear tank tops or, um, you know, any, that kind of stuff with it. And so there was all these pictures of them without their garments and it was just different. It was, it was, it was something that I noticed. And so I called George and I was like, what's going on? And I think I said something sarcastically like, so you guys go on vacation and just don't take your garments or something like that, which probably wasn't really the right way to do it. And then he, you told me, I think you told me at that time, George, that you guys didn't, were leaving the church and didn't believe in it. And um, yeah, that's how it was. And I, I honestly can't remember everything about it but I was I was sad and I was upset that I'd found out that way like I kind of was like well why didn't you call me and tell me I just so I knew because it is it is a big deal it was a big thing in my head I'm like he's my brother he should tell me these things in reality he's living his own life we were all at a stage where we are so busy with our own lives with our own children yeah he shouldn't have to tell me because it just doesn't really matter but it was a big change and I think my understanding has grown a lot since then I I, I kind of remember the phone call not I don't remember a lot of details about it Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I think I said some things on it that probably weren't great to say because I was just talking to you and I said things like, well, does Susie, is Susie leaving the church or are you guys yeah. getting, well, are you guys okay? Are you, then I assumed your marriage wasn't okay. Like, like, did you have an affair? <laughs> just going to like the worst possible scenario, which is so stupid. But so I don't think I necessarily handled it right. 
what I remember is we had a few back and forths of things that maybe weren't as kind, mm. such as just um, about the beliefs. Like I always felt like I was stupid for still believing in, in your, in your view. Um, and that no matter what I said, it just wasn't going to be right. But the biggest thing was just, I, I was not, I didn't understand why you couldn't talk to me about it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I, and maybe we as a family did wrong and it's just communication and, and, and communication sure. is a key to relationships in any aspect, right? So it's no surprise that communication, the better your communication is in, in a scenario like this, where you have a very religious family and one sibling leaves that religion, communication is going to be really important to navigate that path. And when we don't know how to communicate in that situation, and like you said, we're we're all, we're adults. We have our own lives. We have our own families. We're already really busy. I didn't owe you an explanation, but there has to be a way that I could have explained my feelings respectfully to you and my other siblings and to mom and dad, whether it is in a well thought out email or whether it was in a requested conference call, or even if it was on individual calls where in a respectful manner, there's a way that if I, if I could go back, I would do, I don't know exactly how I would do it, but I would do it different. And I would do it with some, I would create some type of opportunity to explain what I feel and why I'm doing what I'm doing and try to have an understanding together that we could at least work off of. I feel, Megan, like over the last few months and maybe a little more than that, but I feel like we're just kind of getting going again a little bit. I, I feel that way a little bit with Jaron too. And, and I feel like I've lost leaving the church the way I did took a lot of years away from me and my family, not years that we would have spent really close and doing a ton of stuff anyways, because we're grown and we live in different places, but just communication and understanding and, and, and feeling like we can talk instead of feeling like we want to talk, but don't really know what to say. There was a, a literal light switch event in my life that occurred that flipped my world upside down. And I think that's very difficult for people who haven't had that type of event to understand. It made me very, very angry not at my family, but at the LDS church. I'm in a very, very good place with that. But I am angry with the LDS church, and I will be my whole life. I don't like it. Because of the childhood that I described, it was so difficult for me to separate those two things, my family and the LDS church. And I believe that there are so many families in that same position. There's, I know people that are leaving the LDS church now. And I know so many people that are in the LDS church that have people leaving and they can't understand it. And, and it's hard for everybody. I think that it takes communication and respect and love because what I didn't feel that I got from you, this is how I felt. This is my perception. But I was expected to respect your opinion, your new choices in life, but that you didn't respect mine still. And so it felt very 
um, and like every time we would get together and have a conversation, it was very antagonistic. And and that's not to say that you didn't make an effort because I think you tried and you wanted to have these conversations. And I don't know if the rest of us did. And I don't know if it was because we were so busy with our own things or because we weren't ready to listen. There was a time when I was at some baseball games in Park City and you, you guys were in Park City for the summer and you made time to come and watch one of my kids games and you sat with us. And this was very much right at the beginning of when you had left the church. And I remember you brought Bracia and Bracia, you had just turned 16 and I hadn't seen you in a while. And you walked up and I said something like, Oh my gosh, Bracia, you are gorgeous. You, cause you were this beautiful young lady. And the last time I'd seen you, you were a girl. So I said something to George, like, Oh, she's 16. You better get your shotgun out. You better watch out for those boys. And I can't remember how it led into it exactly, but the church has a standard that you don't date until you're 16. And I remember George said something like, why? Because when you're 16, just an automatic switch turns on and you're safe to date and everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And I had nothing to say at the time. I was like, what? Because I wasn't even meaning anything really, except that Bracia was this gorgeous grown-up girl now, woman. And, but later I, I would have said, well, no, but because, you know, she's still young and developing all these new feelings and learning how to handle relationships and, and stuff like that. But that's just a small example of what I felt like it was. We were very antagonistic towards each other. George is a deep thinker. He processes things. He doesn't let things just, just go because he takes, he takes everything at face value and he, he listens and, and tries to understand and think about what people have said. He doesn't just let it go. Right. And I'm totally the opposite. I don't carry guilt. I just let things go. I don't deep think about it. Like I want to move forward and move on and that's all great. And I think the way we process things makes a big difference and that we need to understand when these rifts happen in families, when people are going through trials or have changes in different beliefs, we also need to be aware of how that person processes change. Yeah. I think those are amazing points. And it sounds like across the board, communication could have been a huge part in making this transition a little bit smoother for your family. And I just think that's all great context that you guys provided. So let's start with George here. What is something you wish your siblings would have asked you when you left the church? I wish that they would have been open to discussing with me the controversial aspects of the LDS church history that was so problematic for me. I would like to have had intellectual conversations with them about those. The only person that I was ever, the only one in my family I've ever to date had conversations like that with is Jaron. And the only reason for that is because he lives here and, and I interact with him closely on a, almost a daily basis because of work. That That's it. I, 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 I would love to have those conversations, that kind of is, is what makes this particular issue really challenging because it's often difficult for people of faith to be willing to listen to information or, or have discussions that 
specifically contradict what their beliefs are. Megan, you can really only speak for yourself here and try to speak on the behalf of your other siblings, but as one of George's closer siblings, how do you wish George and you could have discussed things after he left the church? Because I know more than anything, like you've said, you just love your brother. Like I love my brothers and I want a relationship with them. And that is very important to me. So specifically for you, what kind of communication would you have liked to have had with George after he left the church? Been less angry and and hostile towards our views for still staying in the church. However, looking at that, and even as I say that, I'm not even sure if that's a valid request because I don't know how he could not be angry and hostile, if that makes sense. It was a big deal and knowing everything that we've talked about. And and just because I know so many other people that have left the church, it is a trigger for them. It's it's difficult and they are angry. And it's such a big deal that why wouldn't he be angry? Because I'm also a big believer that I can't change how other people act and and how other people behave is just, it doesn't, that's inconsequential to me. I wish kind of the same thing that George wishes is that I had been more open to talk to him. In my church, we have always been taught not to look into the negative part, the negative aspects and the media and that type of a thing. However, in the last few years, I think there's a lot that has been printed and come out. And I think a lot of the negative aspects of church history have come out that people are more aware of them, more educated about them. And I wish I had just not been so afraid. But I was scared. I I was scared at the time of offending him. I didn't want to offend him and his family. And it's easier to just not talk about it, if that makes sense. Um, And so maybe I took the easy road out. So I I wish I had been more open to listening to him through this process, even though I, to this day, I haven't necessarily talked to George about specifics, about his thoughts, about some of the reasons why he left. Um, There were things that he mentioned that I personally on my own looked up and read and studied. I look at it with an eye of faith. Like he said, it's hard to discuss these things with people of faith. Um, And I do consider myself a woman of faith. And so while I come out with a different out view of them, I feel like I should be strong enough in that, that I want to hear his view too. I take a look at all things within the church, um, even when I'm listening to speakers and that type of a thing. I, I think to myself, God, I wonder what George would think about that. I wonder what my friend down the street who doesn't believe the same way. And it's changed a lot of my views of everything. My hope for this podcast is that somewhere out there, somebody will hear this and it will help them in their and they'll be in a really early process of having someone they love leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't know how I could have stopped the anger because I, I felt it was very real to me and I felt it and I, I felt it was justified and I frankly still feel it was justified. But I certainly didn't need to demonstrate that to my siblings and to my mom and dad and maybe also just kind of a softer approach. Like if Megan noticed you know, pictures from my vacation. And, and, and frankly, I knew darn well that people would notice those pictures from my vacation and and what my wife's wearing and things like that. And, and, um, for what it's worth, 
the definition of black sheep that Megan found in the dictionary is like, for whatever reason, I carry that as a badge of honor. It, it's a different definition for me. I, I, I like being a black sheep. But everybody's experience in faith crises or religious change is different. And it, and it has a lot to do with how they're growing up, how they grew up. You know, I grew up quite in an extreme religious family. So my exit was also quite extreme. But that was your process too. And I think yeah. we needed to respect that a little bit more. You've come such a long way because that was then. And, and now I do feel like we can talk about these things. And I do feel like, yeah, like you respect, and, and I think you always did, but it's, it's just a process. You know what I mean? I don't think you could have done it different either. I think time to not avoid time together, even though the process is going to be hard and that it is sometimes um, awkward. It's for sure awkward, yeah. but it doesn't mean there's any love loss or anything like that. Just this fact that we don't, I mean, we see each other maybe twice a year and I think it would be helpful for families that are in a position where they can get together to not avoid it just because it's difficult and hard, but, you know, to let the process happen, get past the awkward and just be yourselves and, and get to love everything about, all, you know, everything, all the good, the bad, the ugly, the, what you have the same, what you don't have the same. Um, and I just think that that could be key too, because we did avoid some of the times that we could have spent together because my family is important to me. Something that is ironic and funny in the LDS church's culture is that when someone leaves the church, others will talk about it and be like, oh, George left the church, but he's still a good person. It's funny for me and my direct family because we all do the opposite in a different way. Like Megan is still in the church, but don't worry, she's a cool Mormon. So Megan, can you attest to this phrase at all? I've heard my mom's side of the family use this phrase about still being good people, even though they aren't Mormon. But would you say that you still love and think highly of your brother, even though he is not a part of this religion and culture anymore? That's so funny. I don't even know why we say that, but it is true. I've said it. I hear it all the time. But um, I mean, of course, honestly, George is... He's still my cool big brother. I'm amazed at everything that he has accomplished, everything that he does. And I love the time that I get to be with him. And I don't even really think the church, I, I, the church isn't even part of the equation in that for me. I don't really even think about my siblings like that. Yeah, It's not even really part of, it's not even part of my thought process. I love him not just because he's my big brother, but because, because of the shared experiences that we've had. And, and he's just, he's amazing. Um, the trials that he's overcome, the, the things that he has created in his life. And I do want more time with him and I want to get to know him better. And I am so grateful that we're working to create these bridges between our families. I'm hoping what can come out of this podcast, and I love what Bracia's doing with the Checker Jaguar. I think having difficult conversations are, are, is extremely difficult, but it's really important. And she comes up with a lot of difficult conversations. Over the last few months, Megan and I have started to talk and communicate more, and it's been wonderful. And like I mentioned, I've, I've had that with Jaron a little bit more because he's closer. But I have a lot of other siblings, and we don't talk very much. And 
I just, I would like to let them know if they hear this podcast that I love them. And to whatever extent I could have handled my leaving the LDS church better, I, I wish I had. It was, it was an incredibly difficult time for me. And it's, and it's still a very, very painful aspect of my life. I want to get to know Reno more, my siblings, and the way that I, I, I'm starting to with Megan. And, but I do want them to know that I do want, to, it, it's, it, in order for me to have a relationship with them, we have to have meaningful conversations. And that is going to, and, and because religion is so embedded in our history, that is going to involve my perspective and their perspective on religion so that we can understand each other if we're going to develop if we're going to develop our relationship but what i can also promise them is that the me 12 years ago 13 years ago that was angry and that left and that might have something to prove is gone he doesn't exist anymore i don't have anything to to prove them right or wrong or me right or wrong or anything but meaningful discussions are important to me so and that's what jaron and i i feel like start to have now he you know we don't agree on, we don't even agree on history, yeah. you know? Uh, so, you know, what, what's black and white to me in, in, from a historical narrative is not black and white to him from a historical narrative. And, he's, and he sees many things differently. Right. Where we really come together is, is we've been able to talk enough and understand each other enough to, to have enough mutual respect to both know that Jaron knows that he's not right, and I know that I'm not right, and it doesn't matter right there. It doesn't matter, and that's, that's where I'd love to get. So, so he's got his movie. He's got his worldview. He's doing things his way. He, he, he hears me and listens to mine, and I'm doing it all my way, and we've just had that communication. It's easy for us. We're close. To, we're, we work together. I'd love to work on that more like I'm doing like we're doing here with Megan and then let my other brothers and sisters know Meryl our youngest sister sent me an email just yesterday wanting to talk and catch up and I responded back to her in a little bit of a smart way but letting her know that I really wanted also wanted to talk to her and so um (laughs) it was just a little little little, smart way little joke you know so um but so I'm looking forward to that and 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 I hope that Others that listen to the Checker Jaguar podcast and are struggling with people they love that are leaving a religion or, you know, particularly the LDS religion because it's just so common in, in for our world right now. I, I hope it's helpful to them in some, in some way. There's a lot of resources out there now, but I would do things a lot differently. A little less angry, maybe temper it down a little bit and really work on the communication. Awesome. Well... Thank you both for being here. I think we had some very thought-provoking and honest and real discussions. Navigating these waters is never easy, and I really appreciate both of you guys sitting in this space and getting vulnerable with me. Thanks, Prisha. Thanks, Thanks Prisha. It's been fun to be here and to reminisce a little bit and keep building these bridges and having these conversations. Thank you so much for being here for listening and sticking it through even with challenging conversations. 
Do you have an experience or story that you feel would be a good fit for the Checker Jaguar? Email me at thecheckerjaguar at gmail.com. I am always looking for stories that bring out important discussions and lead to having thought-provoking conversations. Stay tuned for the Checker Jaguar's next podcast. But in the meantime, follow along with me at Checker Jaguar on Instagram and TikTok.